0: Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. Tonight we're going to talk about Jesus the Redeemer. If you weren't here this morning, we talked about Jesus the Healer. Not only talked about the many ways that Jesus healed on this earth, but the power that He's given us through His name to still see healing done today. So let's talk about redemption some tonight. Isn't it amazing that one man came to do so many things? He didn't come for just one purpose. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause He is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal of, I'm sorry, of eternal inheritance. So his purpose, one of his purposes anyway, when he came on this earth, to this earth, was for to provide redemption for us. What does it mean to be redeemed? We've talked about this before. In order to redeem something, you have to pay something, right? Whether it be a, you give money, or you have a gift certificate, or whatever. In order to redeem whatever it is you want, you have to pay something, or give something. So, to be redeemed means that there was a debt owed. And we all know that we had a debt to pay. The Word tells us that that debt was something we couldn't pay. Something we couldn't make right on our own. And the only way that we could pay that debt on our own was through eternal death. Right? That was the, the punishment for our sin. Something had to be made right. There had to be a, a reckoning, so to speak. I was reading tonight before church. I mean, y'all, y'all really need to read the book of Ruth. It's only four chapters. You can read it in about 20 or 30 minutes. I'm not even that fast of a reader. But the story there is so closely linked to what Jesus did. I mean, it is a perfect picture of His redemptive work. If you haven't read the story, let me just real quickly go through it, okay? Ruth was the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Her husband died and Naomi's husband died. There was nobody left to carry on that name, right? Right? They didn't have anybody to provide for them, so they were kind of on their own. So they went back to their home country. And during that time, there was a a custom known as the kinsman redeemer. So, what would happen is when a, a widow was left, you know, typically there's things that people have left undone when they die, right? There's debts they owe, there's bills that still have to be paid. Even back in those times people owed money sometimes when they died. There was a family name that needed to be carried on. So this kinsman redeemer what he would do is he would he would say, "Yes, I'm the closest relation to your husband. And I'm going to not only pay your debt, yes, I get the land, but I'm going to settle that debt, okay?" You're not going to owe anything. And I'm going to take you to be my wife, and I'm going to carry on the name of your husband through that bloodline, right? We're going to keep this bloodline going. So Ruth went to Boaz. Boaz was a near kinsman. Now listen to me. He went to. She went to Boaz, and she wanted him to redeem her, right? And Boaz said, "I'd be glad to do it, but there's somebody that's closer than me that has right to it." So Boaz went to this man. He said, "Look, I want to do it, but you're the closest one." The guy jumped at the chance. He said, "I'll do it." He wanted the land, right? Boaz said, yeah, you have the right to it. If you want it, you can. But also, she doesn't have any children and that name has to be carried on. And the guy said, no, I can't do it. The reason why is because it would, by adding more children to his family, he would have decreased the inheritance he already had for his. He said, I can't do it. So if you want it, go ahead. So Boaz did it, okay? Boaz became the Redeemer. He... He paid any debt that she owed. He provided for her. He loved her. He took her to be his wife. And out of that came Obed, which was the father of Jesse, which was the father of David. Okay? So this is a direct lineage of Jesus Christ. Now, why you say, why is all that important? Well, there's a whole lot of important there, but there's a couple of things I want to point out to you. Boaz was a willing redeemer, just like Jesus. There's a difference though. Ruth had to go find Boaz. Okay? Once Boaz knew about her, he was willing. But she had to go find him. We don't have to go find Jesus. In fact, Jesus is calling us all the time. And He puts people in our lives so that we can somehow come to know Him, right? See, Jesus goes above and beyond the, the inadequate picture of a Redeemer that Boaz was. Although how wonderful it is. The story is great. It's a wonderful picture of Jesus, but it just doesn't come close to the, to the original. See, when Jesus came, He knew why He was coming. He was a willing Redeemer, a willing sacrifice. He wanted to pay the price for our sins. He, he didn't hesitate any. He prayed about it, yes, thoughtfully, carefully. But not one time did He say, I don't know God. God. He's our near kinsman. How do I know that? The Word tells me that He's a friend that sticks closer to than a brother, right? But you know what makes it more, more than that? The Word tells me that I'm now an heir. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I have received the Spirit of Adoption. Okay? I've been brought into the family. I don't have to worry about, am I blood related? That doesn't matter. But spiritually, I am His brother. I'm in His family. I've got some more Scriptures I want to share with you. What are we redeemed from? Sin and death is two of them. We're also redeemed from the bondage of the law. Romans 8 and 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 6 and 18, turn over there. We're redeemed from sin. Romans 6 and 18. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness, unto iniquity, unto iniquity. Even so, now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become the servants of God, servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now notice that last Scripture. He says the wages of sin is death. Guess what? You can earn death. But the gift of God is eternal life. There's a difference there, isn't there? Nothing you can do to earn it. It's freely given. How is it freely given? Because of the sacrifice Jesus made. He went and paid for our redemption. He redeemed us through the price He paid. What's an example of that? Let me give you a worldly example that somebody can understand today. It would be like me going over to uh, SFA and writing a check to SFA for however many thousands of dollars is necessary, and coming to one of my kids and saying, your school is paid for. And telling the school at any point in time, if, if, if things change and there's more owed, give me a call. Don't even talk to them. It's not their responsibility. I'm paying for it. See, here's one wonderful thing about being redeemed. See, it's not just simply paying a debt, okay? It's not just getting on a level playing ground, a level field where you're caught up with what you owe. It's not the same thing. Being redeemed means your debt is paid in full. It's not the same as them forgiving a debt. Does anybody ever have a debt forgiven? Say you borrowed money from somebody. And you say it was, say it, say I borrowed $100 from Sister Kathleen. And then I told her I'd pay her back in a month. And I came back and said, "Look, I don't have all the money, but I'll give you what I have." And she said, "Don't even worry about it." the debt's forgiven. That's not the same thing. No matter how wonderful that is, it's not the same thing. You know why? Because I still have a feeling inside of me that I owe her. Okay? There's still... You know, the next time something happens and she's in a tight spot and she comes and says, Kevin, can I borrow some money? How am I going to feel inside? I'm going to feel obligated that I have to pay her something. I have to give her some money because there was a time she forgave my debt. It's not the same as redemption. Redemption does not like that. Redemption is far better than that. See, the thing about redemption is that my debt was paid and I owe nothing. I'm in the clear. My debt was settled. Okay? The account was paid in full. Here's the difference. Here's the wonderful thing about it. When Satan comes to me and says, remember all that stuff you did? You can say, it doesn't matter. My debt was paid. If Sister Kathleen were to come to me after I had paid the $100 and said, hey, remember that money I loaned you? I need a little money. Can you help me out? I might help her because I want to, but you know what? I won't feel like I have to because I settled the debt. That's how redemption is. My debt was paid. I don't owe anything to Satan. I don't owe anything to this world. Do I owe something to Jesus Christ? Oh, most definitely. Because He paid my debt. He settled my account. My debt is in the clear. But it's because of Him and what He did. Why do I owe Him something? Because I could have never settled that debt. I could have never paid it in any way. I couldn't have even come close. I owe Him everything. But you see, I didn't have to take it. I didn't have to. I accepted it willingly. I willingly became a servant to Him and accepted the debt He paid for my redemption. We don't have to do it. We do it by choice. He doesn't even force us to. That's a wonderful feeling. It gives you some spiritual ammunition. The next time Satan tries to accuse you, you say, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, my debt's paid. I don't owe you nothing, devil. We've also been redeemed from death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Some of you younger kids may not understand this. I don't know. There was a time when I was afraid that I was going to die before I reached 21. That was the devil just trying to instill fear in me. I don't know why I thought that. I had just this overwhelming sense of fear about dying early. He was trying to steal something from me. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin... And the strength of sin is the law. See, that's the only place sin has any strength, when you're in bondage to the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, death, where is thy sting? What does that mean? Death can't hurt me. You know, sometimes we're afraid to die. And look, I'm not telling you to be crazy and think, well, I'll just go do whatever I want to do then because I ain't going to worry about dying. No, just use common sense. But don't sit around fretting about, am I going to die? I'm not worried about it because I understand something else Paul said. Paul said, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. See, that's the difference in a Christian life and a worldly life. I know when I'm a, as a Christian, when I leave this life, I'm with Him. There ain't no sting in death anymore. Death has lost any kind of hold it has on me. I'm not worried about it. See, when Jesus, uh, after the third day, rose and conquered death, you know what that was? That was a sign of things to come. Right. That was a sign of things to come. The Word tells us that He was the first among many brethren. Right? Who are the brethren? That's me. That means I'm going to rise again. That means there's going to come a day when death won't hold me down. It won't hold me back. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to be with Him. I don't have to sit and fret and worry about dying and leaving this world. I don't worry about that thing. I worry about more as my family saved. Is my is those that I care about, the closest ones to me, do they know Jesus? Amen. That's what that's the kind of thing I worry about before they die. Will they know him? I praise God all of my family saved. I don't have to worry about them no more. But now who do I have to worry about? The rest of them, whoever else I come in contact with. Death lost its sting for me, but it's still got a hold of some of them out there. Some of my friends, some of my family, it's holding them. They're still in bondage. Sin still has a hold on them. The law still has a hold on them, but they can be free. Jesus is seeking them out. He's searching for them. And guess what? We're His hands. We're His voice we have the wonderful privilege to speak out on His behalf. Redemption is a wonderful thing. It goes beyond salvation. Jesus is my Savior. Don't get me wrong. But He's my Redeemer too. Redemption is a wonderful thing. It doesn't just save you from sin... It forgives your sin. It cleanses you of sin. And it settles all accounts.